0: Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Peter Creek, we honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged with this week's message from Pastor Kelly Baldridge. Ephesians is sort of like this. A few decades ago, you could get one of those disposable cameras. you remember those that you kind of twist? You can take those disposable cameras, easy to take on a trip with you. Uh, It's always tough getting them developed. I still have some of them that I've never developed. And honestly, I think I'm afraid to see what might be developed. But we had those cameras and we would go and we'd take pictures and you might take a snapshot of something that's beautiful. You might be traveling along, find a scenic view, but you're not going to get much with those pictures, are you? Those cameras might give you a snapshot, a small glimpse of a beautiful scene, but that's about it. But now, today, you can take your iPhone, pull it out of your pocket, flip it over um, to the pano, and then you have a beautiful panoramic picture of what you've seen. You can almost see the whole thing. Something that you could barely ever see with one of those cameras of the past. Well, Ephesians is kind of like an iPhone. Ephesians gives us a panoramic view, but it gives us this panoramic view of salvation. It's a wonderful thing to look at, a wonderful picture to behold. Something that you and I would do well to learn. And so we're traveling to the heights of the heights, So that we might understand salvation from God's point of view. That's the panoramic view we're looking at. The glory, the mystery of God's redemption in Jesus Christ. And what a sight this will be for us to behold. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the reading of his word. Most gracious Father, we come before you as those who are sinners. We are sinful human beings, and we often neglect your word. And so we ask for forgiveness. But we also ask, oh God, that as we come to your word, we are not only sinners, but we are dependent upon you. For us to understand and to grasp the beauty and the majesty and the glory of this letter, we need the Spirit's help. And so we come before you, O God, praying and asking for your help as we read your word together. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask this, and amen. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Now, as we begin, there are a few things we can say about the book that will generally, or a book that we can say generally that will be helpful. Uh, as the good doctor in the past century, a man named Martin Lloyd-Jones, a minister, he said this, It is when we come to the details that we discover the wealth. A summary of its message is most helpful as a beginning, but it is when we move to the particular statements And individual words that we find the real glory displayed to our wondering gaze. And that is him speaking about the letter to the Ephesians. And so we're going to go slow through this. And I have had people comment on this before. This is preaching. Some have said this is just teaching. It's not preaching. I want you to know that this is preaching. This is the word of God. And we need it. We need every verse. We need every word of every verse. And so as we come to this text, we will see the glory of these words, because indeed we are saved by these words that come to us from God. But as we do begin this letter, today will be more of a general summary of some of the things that we will behold within this passage, within this text. And first, I want you to see this. Ephesians is about God. Ephesians is about God. Now, if we were to ask, what is the Bible all about? Perhaps we would understand and appreciate that answer. Yes, it is about God. But Ephesians in particular, from beginning to end, Paul, the apostle, the writer here, is all about God. He is central. His work is key. He is the theme. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and then what does he say? By the will of God. Paul did not make himself an apostle. Any authority that Paul has as an apostle is only because of the will of God. And therefore, Ephesians, to for you today, is not for you just because it's a nice and lovely letter to read, but it is a letter for you from God. Because God is the one who is called the apostle to write it and to give it to the churches and God is the one who has called Paul to be an apostle and God is the one who saves God is the theme of this letter and there's a lesson here for us in that and the first lesson is this you need to know God more than you need to know yourself you need to know God more than you need to know yourself too often in our world we begin with ourselves with our thoughts with our desires with our subjective understanding of the way things are Lloyd-Jones the good doctor I mentioned also said this having forgotten God and having become so interested in ourselves we become miserable and wretched and spend our time in shallows and in miseries And that is often the case. Too often, even Christians, even good meaning Christians, even pastors, we find ourselves focused on us. And when we focus ourselves on ourselves, it is a miserable experience and is a miserable life. But rather as Christians, as those who understand where all things come from, From the hand of a God who is benevolent. A God who is above all things. A God who is sovereign. A God who is over all things. To truly understand us as the creation. We must first understand the one who made us. And we must spend time seeking to know him. Seeking to understand him. Because you need to know God more than you need to know yourself. The message of the Bible from beginning to end is designed to bring us back to God. Scriptures do not begin and say, In the beginning you were a baby. In the beginning you were in your mother's arms. The scriptures begin how? In the beginning God. God. From beginning to end. The Bible is about him and reveals to us him and God has in his word and through his divine word, the Lord Jesus Christ revealed himself to us. This book is not here to give you affirmations of your potential, but to affirm God is the only one who can save you. Too often we look within ourselves And we look within for our own abilities and our own effort and our own doing so that we can grasp and understand who we are and what we can do when we need to spend much more time on our knees before a holy God, asking him, pleading with him to reveal himself to us. And So the message of the Bible beginning to end is designed to bring us back to God and to humble us before God so that we would be enabled to see our true relationship to him. Second lesson here. You need to know the glory and majesty of God more than any experience you can have. Friday, uh, I took my mom to uh, her consultation and then that evening uh, we had bought these tickets for a while. Now, Robert. My brother-in-law was in a play, a very good play, might I add. Uh, it's called When I'm Gone. It's about the night when Ricky Skaggs and Keith Whitley were discovered in a bar in Fort Gay, West Virginia. Um, don't worry, it's not too bad. But nonetheless, it was a wonderful play. All of those actors and actresses that were professional from all over the country, in little old Louisa, and Robert was there playing the bass, his upright bass called Big Bertha. Robert is such an excellent musician. And I'm not tear up thinking about it because I was so proud of him, so proud of the work that he's put in and so proud of the effort. And it was a wonderful experience. And many of us can tell a story of a, a concert that blew us away or a sporting event that brought tears of joy. Some of you have seen you came to win championships. Those seem so distant now. But you've had other experiences that might make you think, I'm glad I was here. But have you been blown away by the glory of God? Have you been blown away by the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you had moments in your life where you have looked deep into the things of God and they have gripped you and stopped you in your tracks? Can you speak of an experience of God in such a way? See, friends, you need to know the glory and majesty of God more than any experience you can have. You need to behold your God. You ought to forget about yourselves for a time and consider the beauty of the Savior. Why don't you take time to consider God? Friends, it's not for a lack of opportunity. Oh, you hear the preacher on Sunday mornings. We even had opportunities to study the attributes of God on Sunday evenings, but very few took it. It's not for a lack of opportunity that you miss out in beholding your God. Another lesson, you need to remember that salvation begins with God and not with you. Salvation begins with God and not with you. Ephesians will teach us this. Paul is is an apostle by the will of God. In verse 3, he begins a prayer of praise for the salvation God causes. He will say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God saves. We didn't come to God first, but He came to us. We didn't figure out a way to Him, but He planned, purposed, even before the foundation of the world to save us. Oh, to behold Him. Oh, to see Him. Oh, to remember that it is God who saves. In fact, it was a mystery to us the mystery of salvation the mystery of the glorious grace of God in chapter 3 of Ephesians, we will hear Paul speak of that mystery. That word mystery is used, I think, eight times in this letter. And so the mystery in parts has been revealed. And as you find out when you seek after God, You don't even know as much as you might think you do. Because the more you learn of him, the more you seek after him, the more you work to understand him, the more you realize you do not know of him. And it actually causes you to stir within and say, I want to know more of this God. I want to know more of his glory. I want to know more of his majesty. I want to know more of him. He is wonderful. He is awesome. He is beyond our comprehension, but yet I still want to know him. And so we keep searching. We keep looking because we remember that salvation begins not with us, but with him. Ephesians is about God, but Ephesians is also about grace. It's about grace. You see this here in verse two, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you. Ephesians is about the grace of God. There's something to this. You gain an understanding of the glory and the majesty and the holiness of God. That's what chapter one will do for us. It will humble us. It will bring us to our knees so that we may behold our God and his saving purposes. But as it brings us to our knees, we will be like Isaiah in chapter six when he sees God and his holiness and he hears the angels and he feels the threshold shake and he hears them singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And as Isaiah beholds the holiness of God, he says, woe is me for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. And so as we behold this God, we see our need for grace. There's no way you'll earn the favor of such a holy God, but you'll rightly understand that you need that holy God's mercy to be upon you. And Ephesians reveals to us God's purposes, his plans of grace for you in the person of Jesus Christ, the one who died And was raised for you. And so the theme is here. God's amazing grace to sinful man in providing for man's salvation and redemption. And so friends, we'll learn that God is rich in grace. Now, as we understand Ephesians is about grace, there's a lesson here as well. That you are what you are, Christian. Because of the grace of God. You are what you are because of the grace of God. Look at verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And then notice what he says. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. The saints, the holy ones, the <laughs> He is not speaking of those who have been venerated. He is not speaking of those who have gone on to be with the Lord. He is speaking to everyday people like you and me who have trusted in Christ. You are saints, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. You are saints because you've been called out of the world to be holy as Christ is holy. That's why Peter would write in 1 Peter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are what you are, Christian, because of the grace of God. He has saved you. You are a saint, a holy one. Chosen by God. And it's because of his grace. But then also, you are what you are, Christian, because of the grace of God. And that you are called faithful. Paul says to the Ephesian Christians, he calls them faithful in Christ Jesus. The word there means believing ones. Not only have you received grace, but you're the ones who believe. What separates us from the rest of the world? It is faith. Faith. It is faith in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. It is faith in the one who will come again to judge the living and the dead. It is faith in the one who sits at the right hand of the Father. It is faith in Christ. We are the believing ones. Christians believe the Bible and obey the commands of the Lord. What the Bible teaches about man is what I ought to believe about man, what the Bible teaches about sin is what I ought to believe about sin. What the Bible teaches about salvation is what I ought to believe about salvation. What the Bible teaches about the church is what I ought to believe about the church. And we'll even see that in Ephesians in chapter four, he gets into the church as well. And so you have Ephesians teaching us about God And about grace. But Ephesians is also about Jesus Christ. It points us to Jesus Christ, the Lord. We don't have grace. We don't have the gospel. And we don't know God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we can say that there is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians, we will hear of the glorious plan of God redeeming his people. God's purpose is in saving a people for himself, but this plan falls apart. It does not happen apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as we consider Ephesians, we're considering a letter about Christ. In fact, one thing that is common throughout Paul's writings, and especially in in Ephesians, is the words Jesus Christ, or in Christ, or by Christ," Christ, or for Christ, or of Christ. There is this connection with Christ that Christians have. There is this understanding of who Christ is that brings us hope. And so God's purposes in saving the people for himself happen because of the Lord Jesus Christ. This plan falls apart, does not happen apart from him. So why do we preach about Jesus? Because we know that there is no other name under heaven given to men in which we must be saved but the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What about those who have not trusted in Jesus Christ? There is no hope for them. There is no salvation for them. There's no salvation for you according to your works. There's no salvation for you according to your good deeds. There's no salvation for you apart from Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God, his word reveals to us his son. His word teaches us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, should not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. Ephesians points to us the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our only hope for a right standing before that holy God that we've mentioned. And any grace or peace that we possess in this life, in this world, flows from Him. And notice how He ends this greeting grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. It speaks that there's no salvation outside of Christ. And it speaks that in Christ we have grace, but we also have peace. We have peace. Shalom. That was the Old Testament language for peace. Shalom means a couple of things. First, it means this, peace with God. Peace with God. The shalom that each of us needs The peace that you need, the shalom that I need is a peace with a holy God. And Paul is able to say, shalom, peace, and it comes from God the Father. God himself is the one who brings us through his son into a peaceful relationship with him. But then there's another part to this, shalom. It's not only a peace with God but it is also a peace in the midst of the worst of circumstances. A peace no matter the circumstance. The peace that God gives in himself and in his son is a peace that comes no matter the circumstance, no matter the pain, no matter the grief, no matter the sorrow, no matter whatever we are facing, no matter what we are experiencing in this life. The peace that comes from God is a peace that brings contentment and satisfaction. Things are not easy often. In fact, when we tell people what it is to be a Christian, some people may say, well, I I want to be a Christian so I'll have a better life. Some people may say, I want to be a Christian so I'll have an easier life. If you know anything about life, That's not the case, is it? Life doesn't get even any easier because you're a Christian. Life doesn't necessarily get better according to worldly standards because you're a Christian. But we understand what Jesus said, that in this world you will have many tribulations, but take heart, thrive, overcome the world. And so in Christ, you have peace. In Christ, you have shalom. Shalom. Peace that you may have in the midst of the most terrible of situations, a contentment that you may have in the worst of situations. There's a passage where Paul speaks of that peace in Philippians chapter 4. It's often used in the football game, unfortunately, because it's not about winning or losing. But Paul says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That passage is not a message of beating your opponent. It is a message of contentment. That no matter the circumstance, no matter the trial, no matter the difficulty, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That I can do all things through him my Savior, my Lord. So if you want to change your life, if you want contentment in your circumstances, you will do well to listen to the apostle as we look at his letter to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I commend to you this book that will teach us about God, that will teach us about the Lord Jesus Christ, that teaches us about grace let's pray most gracious Father we ask oh God that you would allow us to honor you as we've heard your word today may it be something that indeed strengthens us gives us hope gives us help and Father that you would be honored by it we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Thank you for listening to this week's message If God has used this message to influence you Or you would like more information about our church Connect with us on the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Facebook page Remember to subscribe to hear more messages from Pastor Kelly Balridge.